And that's why I'm not a children's pastor. <laughs> Y'all heard that, right? Nope. nope. Just my ears. That's from being a worship pastor. That's why my ears are always going off on that. Man, what an absolutely triggering scene that was to watch, right? Uh, for those of you who work in childcare and those of you who uh, are teachers and all of those things, God bless you. God bless you, because I can confidently tell you that in a moment like that, I would have an absolutely similar reaction to everything that just happened. How do I know that? Because I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I suffer with being a control freak, and my name is Alex. Hey. We give Mike a hard time because uh, Pastor Mike uh, in... in um, Staff meetings, a lot of times, well, he'll go, hey, when, uh, when are we going to do a CR series, or when are we going to do a lesson on uh, CR? We're like, Mike, every week is a CR message. Everything that we speak up here is a CR message. I've preached so many times up here about things that are CR related, and then the more I do it, the more I realize I kind of need CR because i got some hurts and hang-ups and habits, right? So it's all within me. Miracle. We're all looking for our miracle. <laughs> I've preached several times about the concept of anger. Uh, if you've ever been to CR, if I do CR, I typically introduce myself as uh, struggling with anger, because I do. I struggle with anger, and I always preach from a place of vulnerability, right? I probably share way too much with you guys, but I try to communicate what God is teaching me about these things that I also struggle with, like everybody else does, okay? So let me tell you where my anger most often stems from. Lock of control, no control, absence of control. I am without doubt a control freak, and God has a, a sense of, of humor. I'm a very uh, calculated risk type of person. I think through everything. My wife does not. <laughs> she is wild, and she likes to just go way beyond where any normal person would normally go. Like we do a lot of backpacking, a lot of hiking, and we'll get to like the end of the trail. The trail has ended. And she's like, no, no, no. The trail only ends when I say it ends. <laughs> this map was made in like 1850. Like you realize this trail has ended. There's no trail after this. But she pushes me past my limits all the time. And I've got two kids that do the same exact thing. God has a sense of humor, and I love them so much, but they keep me so on my feet all the time. I'm always feeling like I'm out of control, wide open, reckless, all of these things. This movie clip is interesting to me because I love the, the line that she says in the hallway right before he goes in the classroom. She says, kindergarten is like the ocean. You don't want to turn your back on it. And if I'm being honest, that this is my greatest fear, is that if I turn my life, or if, or if I turn my back on my life, that everything's going to become out of control just like that. I'm always so hyper-aware and hyper-focused on everything that's happening around me. Is the reason why one of the things that triggers my anger more than anything is road rage. Because I can't control any of y'all clowns on the road out there not using your turn signals and just darting across and driving in the fast lane when you're not going fast. I can't, I can't control you people. And so because of that, I yell at nobody in my car. Nobody can hear me, just myself. It doesn't make any sense. I get so fired up. I get so angry when I lose control of something. I tend to react the same way the Terminator did. I just freak out. Y'all, I see his eyes went cross when he said, when he said shut up, his eyes went cross. That's how frustrated he was. 
But this is what's interesting about that clip, is that it paints this portrait so well, because what happens is, is that my reaction, we're going to talk a lot about that today, about reactions, my reaction is the beginning of a daisy chain that leaves a trail of destruction. Okay, what happened after he freaked out and screamed at all the kids? The kids started to cry. And he goes, oh no, oh no, oh no, no, don't start this. And that's what happens in my life every day is that I freak out over something that I don't have any control over and I somehow make everything worse. The kids are mad at me, my wife is mad at me, everybody's mad at me, everybody's crying because dad freaked out because he didn't have control over a situation. And isn't it just so true? This series that we're in, Battle Ready, I'm loving, loving, loving this series because uh, we're learning that life is going to give us battles that God intentionally puts in our life to teach us how to fight. And so we've talked about a few things. We've looked at Ephesians 6, which we're going to talk about a little bit more today. But the series outline so far has been that there are battles that God fights for us. And there are battles that we fight on our own. This is the faith versus control, faith versus the future thing. And so last week, we talked about the battles that we have to fight. We talk about how the world intentionally is going to put things in our path all the time to make us feel like our temporary, uh, our temporary uh, things, the feelings that we get, the, the instant gratification, all those things somehow outweigh the eternity that we have after this life, Right? And so we learn how to be aware of those and how every single day when we put boundaries in place, we put barriers in place to be able to block out those, uh, those, the, the ways that the world tries to tell us that we need to be doing things differently, it trains us. We become more equipped. We become more battle-ready. See, I battle for control every day, and maybe you do too. I like control. I like it when things go the way that I like, and when they don't, I don't like it. I don't like not being in control my first reaction, anytime that I find myself in a situation where I'm out of control, my first reaction is always stress, worry, anxiety, fear, all of these things. And a lot of this existed, has existed forever, okay? Things like uh, the uh, fear of uh, lack of control, the fear of losing a job, the fear of uh, getting sick, the fragility of life. All of those things already existed, but can we be real for a minute? 2020 changed everything. It changed everything. Because I'm already in a place where I like to have control, and control stems from my need to be protective, right? I'm very protective. Anytime something bad happens to one of my family members, I respond in anger because I'm protective and I can't control the situation. And when COVID became a thing, when they started talking about this virus that was coming over here and how we needed to be prepared for it because there's a good chance that the world's going to get shut down. And so I'm just watching the news like everybody else is. I'm reading the articles like everybody else is, and I'm looking at this going, Am I, should, I, should, I be, should I be doing something right now? I feel out of control. I feel a little bit out of control. Maybe you can identify with this. Y'all, when, the, when they told us that this was coming and we had like two weeks to prepare or whatever the heck was, I went to the grocery store like every single day. Every day I would think of something else that I needed to have in my house to be prepared for what was coming. So I stockpiled uh, the, the meat and, the, and the, my, my whole freezer was full and my, my pantry was full. And then I started stocking medicine. I started finding medicine and cleaning supplies because apparently you had to clean your groceries before they could enter your house. And then I learned what an elderberry is. I didn't know what an elderberry was, but I went to the store and I bought all the elderberry supplements that I could find because someone told me that that would protect my immune system. I freaked out. I had a total lack of control moment. And then when the world told me that I couldn't leave home, are you kidding me? This is America. I'll leave home if I want. No, you can't leave home. I don't like that. I don't like that. That's a control issue that I have right there. We already had, I already had a healthy fear of people. But now, whoo, 
You guys, you had those moments in public yet where you get the tickle in the back of your throat and there's people standing all over you and you're like, I'm not coughing. <laughs> nope. I read, on the, I read the other day that, that it's, it's literally impossible to sneeze with your eyes open because your eyes will pop out of the skull, right? I tried it because I'm like, I'm going to hold this sneeze in and I'm not going to make a face. And, <laughs> and it hurt. Didn't feel good, and I still sneezed, and I still coughed, and I still all these things. And every time that happens, everybody is looking at you like you have the death plague, and you're going to get everybody sick. And so now my already existing double bubble, because I've got spatial issues, is now like a quadruple bubble. And I don't like anybody to be in that bubble, and it's something I deal with every day. But let's be real, the pandemic made that so much worse. Things are out of our control. So what things are out of our control? Everything. Feels like it, right? Everything. We try so hard to grab hold of little moments in our life that we can feel like we're in control. I think that's why some of you guys do these weird diets where you're like weighing stuff. Like you're getting up, it's called meal prep. I'm learning about this stuff, right? Where you got a little thing and you're like, I'm gonna have three tablespoons of broccoli and four ounces of chicken and six scoops of protein powder or whatever the case may be. And nobody has time for this, guys. Nobody has time for this, but you do it because I would say it's because you need to control something in your life. We learn this from a young age. My kids, your kids, from, from, from the moment you are born, you're trying to find ways to have control over your life. So I've got a two and a half year old daughter and an 11 year old son. You know, my daughter likes to control what she eats or more likely what she doesn't eat, which is everything except for goldfish and fruit snacks. That's about it. We control the kids and want to control when they sleep, right? So it's a battle every day that it's bedtime, as if this is some new revelating concept, as, as if bedtime didn't already exist, right? It's bedtime. What do you mean it's bedtime? I want to control. I should be able to control when I go to sleep. Or, you know, we control how much screen time our kids has, and that doesn't seem fair. This is my phone, Dad. Why should, I, why should you be able to tell me how much screen time I get? Well, I pay for it. Simple as that, right? Or some of our kids like to control how often they take a shower. That's just something that they do. They control it. And it doesn't make sense to us, but we're trying to find little moments in life that we can feel like we have control because everything is out of control. So what do we do when we feel out of control? For me, like I shared a minute ago, it's fear, it's stress, it's worry, it's anxiety. Uh, it's been said that the most repeated phrase in Scripture is, do not be afraid. You see it over 300 times in Scripture that God commands us not to fear. He said it to Gideon when calling him to lead Israel. He said it to Jeremiah when he asked Jeremiah to be a prophet of the nations. He said it, uh, Jesus said it to a woman at his resurrection. Uh, and when Adam, in the garden, when Adam sinned, a new word literally entered his vocabulary that he had never known before, and that was that he was afraid. He said, God, I heard you, and I was afraid. And ever since that moment, we have lived in fear. And anxiety and worry becomes a daily part of our life. We're going to hop into Scripture this morning in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. If you have your uh, Bible or your Bible app this morning and you want to read along, I'm going to read this whole thing in context. I want you to hear it. This is very, very powerful. I love these words. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, 
add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, whereas here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Ouch. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be given to you as well. I love this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I think our battle of control that we're so desperately trying to get a hold of is really a battle of faith. It's a battle of faith. The battle of control pushes you to acquire things that you need to fight the battle, like wealth and power. So we say things to ourselves like, well, if I only had more money, right, then I could fight the battle uh, uh, and I could control my finances. If I could only stop my kids from making irresponsible decisions and I can control their behavior. If I could only stop the world from being so screwed up, we wouldn't live in fear all the time. If I could only control people's actions. But the reality is, is that we can't. And so it's not a battle for control, it's a battle of faith. Faith that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says that he will do. Let me say that again. Faith that God is who he says he is and that he will do what it is that he will do. And so in this battle for control, in this battle for faith, what are the weapons that we need to be battle ready. And so we, we look at Ephesians 6. We talked a little bit about this uh, last week. If you've grown up in church, you've heard this before. It's the, uh, the, uh, the armor of God. We've, and in children's church, I can remember there being like a, a knight statue, and they were all labeled. The, is that me? That's weird. The, the breastplate of righteousness and all these other things, right? So last week, we kind of talked a little bit uh, about the shield, the shield of faith. And Paul says, uh, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so as the world is trying to constantly throw things at you that they're telling you is what's important and what's real, you have the shield of faith to be able to block those flaming arrows and say, I know better because I know what God says. But today what we're going to be talking about is the sword of the Spirit. See, for a Roman soldier, the sword served as an offensive weapon against the enemy. And when sharpened, obviously, a sword can pierce through just about anything, making it a very dangerous tool. So I believe that knowing what God says, knowing His Word, knowing Scripture, it sharpens your blade so that you can cut through every lie that the world is going to try and tell you. Every lie that is thrown at you, you'll be able to cut through because you've conditioned yourself, you've familiarized yourself with the Word of God, and you're prepared in those moments to respond. Philippians 4.6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. That last line, thank Him for all He has done, why is that important? Gratitude. Gratitude is important because it reminds us of what we have. It reminds us of what has been done for us. Like I said a minute ago, God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he's going to do, and our lives are evidence of this. And so every day when we get in front of God and we say thank you for all that you've done, it's just remembering that he is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. It's practicing that. It's becoming battle ready by remembering what God has done for you. This series is about being 
battle ready and we started to see this spiritual reality behind this fight. It's not just a fight for control. It's not just a fight for making good decisions. It's not just a fight for, it's a literal battle for our soul. And every day the world and the enemy is going to poke at us and try to provoke our response of fear and anxiety. They want, the world wants you to feel out of control. And for me, this happens every morning when I get up. I'm a morning person. Maybe that doesn't resonate with you. That's fine. I'm not a night person. I'm like a let's go to bed at 8.30 type person, right? I don't really like nighttime. But I love mornings. But nobody else in my house does. Not one person. I love mornings. And so I wake up every morning thinking that I'm going to have some sort of Disney movie thing where I fling the windows open and the birds come flying up and they say, hello, Alex. And then my kids come running out and they say, hello, father. And my wife comes running out. She says, hello, husband. Let me make you bacon and all these things. And this is what I believe to be true. And it never happens. I have a, I have a sixth grader now. His bus comes at 6.10 in the morning. So that's my life now. <laughs> Want to know why? Because my wife told me I fed all the kids. Mm-hmm. I nursed in the night. You're getting up with him. So that's, that's, what, okay, that's what I'll do. So every morning at 5.45, my alarm goes off, and I get up out of the bed, and I walk into the room. And let me tell you what had happened now is that I wash clothes, I fold clothes, I put clothes where they need to go. But somehow, my son can't find a single article of clothing. Not one. Not a sock. Not a, not a shirt. Not a pants leg. I, nothing. Nothing exists. They're, where are your clothes? I, I don't I don't know. It's too early to deal with that if I'm being honest. And then, so finally, I get him on the bus. I come back inside. It's woken my daughter up, who's two and a half, and she wants everything and nothing at the same time. How's that even possible? She just screams at me. Just, ah! And I, I give her it, and she throws it back at me, and then she, t- and then my wife, whom I love, not a morning person, not a morning person. I just avoid. Just tiptoe. Just, you're good, babe. Just keep on sleeping. I'm going to go take care of all this. It's just easier that way, of being honest. So every day, the spirit of fear and loss of control begins right from the moment that I wake up in the morning. Is I've got no control over anything. And I think that there is, there's, there's good fear, right? There's, there's fear that develops in our life that, that, are, that are good fears. There's, some, some of us in our life, we need fear. We've made enough bad decisions that we should start fearing consequences, right? We learned this at a young age. You know, some of you, you're on your fifth bad relationship, and you need to put a little bit of fear into your life because something's wrong, okay? Some of you are, are suppressing your emotions, and that's leading to addiction, and, if, and, you're, and you're, so fear, you're so scared about feeling something that you're literally just putting influences into your life and putting things in your life to help you not feel those things. We don't fear consequences. What's one more credit card? I'm already in a financial hole right now. I've got no fear of that anymore, so let's just add more onto it. My kids need fear. Fear would be a whole lot easier. My daughter wants to kill herself every day. Every day she is going to throw herself off of something and smash her face into the ground, and I'm just going to stand there and watch it happen because she is a wild child. And where's the fear at? I live on a farm. I've got six acres, and there's, we got critters and stuff that run around and bugs and all this other stuff. And, like, I can remember as a kid, I lived in the woods. I never feared anything. But now I watch as she plops her behind down on an anthill, not even knowing that it's there, playing in the sand, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, there's ants everywhere. What are you... She's just playing. She's just having a good time. But fear can be healthy. Fear is something that we all need in our life because we fear consequences, which makes us able to make wiser decisions. But the battle of control is more about how we respond than anything else. 
Two things in this world you can control, your actions and your reactions. And how we react in these moments typically defines how we handle our loss of control. See, I'm like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm like him. I get angry. I panic. I make things worse. I'm not prepared enough to have a good response in those moments. I'm not prepared enough in those moments to be able to think clearly, to not panic, but to do the right thing. And panic, I don't know if you know this or not, but anytime panic is introduced to anything, bad decisions always follow. Always follow. There are no good decisions made when panic is involved. That's why everybody says all the time, don't panic. Anytime there's an emergency, they say, stay calm. And you're thinking, there is a fire in this building. I'm not staying calm. I'm finding my way out of here. You guys ever watched The Office? You ever seen that episode where, they, where he sets the fire in the trash can and he's like, this is just a test for emergency preparedness and everybody loses it and they're like tossing cats into the ceiling and they're trying to break the window with the overhead projector and everybody, including the boss, is completely freaking out because that's how we respond in moments where we have no control is that we panic. We overthink things and we don't think about the training that we have. We don't think about the things that we've been through. So I'd like to... Uh, I'd like to show you a video. This is a moment in my life that uh, I should have been prepared for what happened, but I panicked and made all the wrong decisions. See, my family and I went to Charlotte to visit some family. We went to the Whitewater Center. If you're not familiar with what that is, it's a place where they do Olympic training for whitewater. So it's man-made whitewater rivers. Like they got class four rapids. It's Amazing, incredible, incredible place. And so we, uh, my wife and I and my son, we decided to go uh, whitewater rafting. And so uh, some things happened, um, some, some things went down. And we learned, okay, through all of this, that those who are battle-tested teach us how to be battle-ready. And so in this situation, we had a training seminar that we had to go sit through. They don't just put you in a boat with a helmet and a life jacket and say, go at it. You have to go sit through like a 20-minute long training session where they show you videos and they talk through what to do and what not to do. And most importantly, what happens if your boat flips? That's important to know, right? Apparently, it wasn't that important for me to know because I didn't pay attention to it. I just sat there and watched the video and made dumb comments and, uh, and laughed with my wife about the, the, the production quality of the video and things like that, right? I'm like, ah, oh, what's going to happen? We're, we're just going down some rapids, right? Uh, check this video out. I'm in the top right. Okay? Everybody's in the water. I'm going to let you see the whole thing, and then we're going to break this down as to exactly what went wrong here. Boat's just spinning out of control. I'm not going to lie. I kind of blame the guide a little bit. She didn't seem to know what she was doing. So... Lose focus here for a second. My father is filming. I think he thought we were dying. Desperately, desperately trying to get up. Desperately trying to do all these things. Holding on for dear life. Parker's just waving. He's just having a good time. He says, swim to me. Hits me in the face with the bag. And then at this point, I realize, wait, I can just stand? Yep. Last thing I said was, woo! Because up until that point, that was a wild ride, man. Now, 
A lot of things went wrong in this, okay? And we're going to break these down one by one because I'm telling you, I did not do the right things, okay? I was in a full-out panic mode, okay, because both my wife and my son were in the water. So my initial response was, get them to safety. First thing I think about is get them to safety. So let's go to the next video. Keep the sound down for me, and I'm going to walk you through. Uh, I've made some zooms and some marks here. Let's go to the next video. We're going to break this down. All right, here we go. Boat goes over. All of us are in the water. That's the first step, which, by the way, we shouldn't have even been over there, so I'm still blaming the guide. <laughs> Whatever. Everybody's in the water. First thing that I do, okay, is that's me and Parker, is I shove him into the boat, get him in. Okay, he's safe. At this point, what I should have done is I should have let go of everything and swam to the side. Rule number one, they said, don't hold on to the black rope. Where's Brittany at? I can't find Brittany. That's Brittany beside me, and now I've pushed her into the rocks. <laughs> yep, we lose it for a second. I'm still holding on to the boat, not supposed to do that. That's, Parker's fine, I'm not. Parker's good. Parker is not even trying to help me in the boat. He's just waving at granddaddy at this point. Hey, he is. Okay. So at this moment right here is when I realize that I, Brittany's not in the boat. Okay. And that's the only thing I could think about was where is Brittany and how can I, because clearly I'm in control of the situation. How can I get her to safety? Right. And so I'm holding on and I'm looking ahead of me and I'm going, I'm going down this rapid. This is not good. And at this point, the guy starts to scream to swim. So I tried to swim upstream. <laughs> he says, grab the bag. He hits me in the face with the bag. What they never told me was, is that you can literally just stand up. It's fine. <laughs> You're good. You're safe. Everything's fine. Okay. So yeah, this is what happens next. So play the next part. So at this point, I'm trying to figure out where Brittany is, but I can't make it, I can't think of anything because I'm being, <laughs> yeah, swim up the rapids, Alex, that'll work. Yep, bag gets thrown to me. Everything is good. It's not good. Forget that. That's going down the river. And I'm going to walk out and I'm going to say, woo, there it is. Now, where is Brittany? We rewind real fast, and we go backwards. I'm going to show you where Brittany is. So remember, I pushed her off that rock over there. She got caught behind. Take a look at the circle. Watch the circle. Watch what's happening. You're going to see it in just a second. There she goes. <laughs> now, she's being swept into an eddy. If you know what an eddy is, it's basically a toilet bowl. Just, just spinning, right? And there's no getting out of that. So she's stuck in the eddy, just going around and around and around and around, and I have no idea where she's at. Now, let me tell you about how I did not react in a good way. <laughs> so I get out the river, I say, woo, because that was a crazy ride, and then it immediately dawns on me, I still don't know where Brittany is. Where is my wife? Now, when I feel out of control, and when I feel like a member of my family is in trouble, my protective papa bear instincts kick in, and I get a little bit aggressive. A little bit aggressive. <laughs> so I then proceeded to go, Where's, where is my wife? My dad goes, hadn't seen her. What the, the heck do you mean you haven't seen her? Mom, where is Brittany? I don't know. I thought she was in the boat with you guys. The boat's gone. She's not in the boat. The video shows that. So then I start running to everybody who's wearing a white water center t-shirt. And I'm like, where's my wife? Where did she go? You're supposed to be watching her. She's supposed to be right here. It was your responsibility. And finally somebody goes, hey man, there she is. That's not my boat. 
See, one of the things I forgot to listen to in the instructional time was that if a boat flips over, all the other boats in the area are instructed to stop, get to the side, and make sure that nobody needs to be taken out of the water and put into a boat. So they did what they were trained to do. Everybody was fine. Everything was good. The situation was under control, but I didn't have control of the situation. I'm trying to hop into the boat in class four rapids. It's not going to happen, right? Can't find Brittany. I'm yelling at people, and everybody's like, she's good, man. They did what they were supposed to. They put her in the boat with some other group, and she took the rest of the trip with them. My point is this. I was in a panic because I felt like I was out of control. There was a plan. There was preparation. I just forgot about it. I did everything wrong. I tried to stand up. I held onto the rope. I didn't swim to the side. I ignored everything they taught us in the safety instruction video. Why do we train? We look about being battle ready and that the montage of clips uh, uh, for the bumper is, is people training, lifting weights and running upstairs and, and, uh, and sparring with each other. Why? Why is it that we train? Why is it that we, we practice? Um, I was a worship pastor for a long, long time. One of the things that I consistently told my team, especially those who played instruments, was that we don't practice until we get it right. We practice until we can't get it wrong. Now, why do I say that? Because I believe that in a lot of situations in life, the skill or the, the, whatever it is you're doing needs to be second nature so that you can be in tune with what else is going on. I wouldn't be an effective worship leader if I stood here and looked at my guitar and tried to remember where the chords were and couldn't remember what the words were, Jonathan Bradford, and then, <laughs> and then tried to... I'm sorry. I didn't do that first service. That just slipped. I'm sorry. My bad. Anyways, love you, Jonathan twinsies. Uh, so yeah, so you got to be able to, you got to be able to let that be second nature. Otherwise I would never be able to effectively lead worship. I'd never be able to talk about what's happening in the moment or teach a new song because I'd be worried about all these other things. See, the more that we prepare, the more that we practice, the more that we train, the more prepared we are when the moment comes. And so if we're applying this to scripture, if we're applying this to the idea of having a sword and being able to wield that and sharpen that with the word of God and through prayer, this is what we learn is that the more we pray, the more we understand how God speaks to us. The more we pray, the more we turn over our control to him. The more we read, we arm ourselves uh, with knowledge of God's faithfulness and mercy. The more that we read, the more faith that we have because we can see grace in action. And the more that we live, the more we become battle-ready because we are battle-tested. There's a reason why uh, the, when you look at the military, those who are in higher command have been there, they've been through it, they've gone through it because they're battle-tested. And when you're battle-tested, you can teach others how to be battle-ready. It's training, it's preparation, it's conditioning. And so my question today for you is, what am I trying, what are you trying to control that you need to let go of and let God fight your battle for you? Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God is in control and I am not. God is in control and I am not. I feel like I need to tattoo that on my hand so that every morning when I get up and I expect there to be birds chirping outside my window and singing lullabies, that there's, God is in control and I'm not. 
See, in these moments, we don't have to respond with fear. God doesn't want us to respond with fear. He doesn't want us to respond with panic. He doesn't want us to respond with worry and anxiety because we are battle ready. And he's told us, don't be weary. Don't be burdened. Let me carry these for you. Let me be there for you. And we see time and time again that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he is going to do. See, I love that song that we've been singing the last couple of weeks, the last one in the worship set a minute ago, the one is called, uh, Fear is Not My Future. And what I love about this song is that it's so perfectly crafted in the fact that it would have been really easy to write it a little bit differently. The way that we sing it now is we sing, Hello, peace, hello, joy, hello, love, hello, strength, hello, hope. And it's not until the end of the song that we, be do we begin to declare things a little bit differently, but we say all these things, but I would argue that when we wake up in the morning, most of us are not saying, hello, joy, hello, love. We're saying, hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> We're saying hello to all these other things. We're saying hello, fear, hello, guilt, hello, shame, hello, pain. And I love what this song does because this song never makes you sing that. It never acknowledges that that was probably inside of your head. Instead, it gives you an opportunity to be able to, to, to change your way of thinking, to change your mentality, and to break that cycle of fear and worry and anxiety and declare victory over these things in your life. So we say goodbye. Goodbye fear. Goodbye uh, guilt. Goodbye shame. Goodbye, goodbye pain. It's realizing that God is in control and that you are not. It's the first step to saying goodbye to all of these things in your life that weigh you down on a constant basis. It's about giving up the things that you have no control over and handing them to God and saying, God, take these. See, here's the thing. We can't stop this from happening. There's never going to be a moment in your life that you can have full control over everything. It's not going to happen. The world's going to be the world. Days are going to be days. People are going to be people. And every day, something's going to happen to make you feel like you were out of control. It's promised to us. It's told to us. This is the way the world works. But how incredible would it be if we could, in those moments, be so strengthened and be so prepared and be so ready for those moments because we've prayed and we've given it to God and we've read his word and we know that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he said he would do. And we can take that worry and that fear and anxiety and we can set it aside and we can be at peace in those moments. And our reactions become a little bit different. And maybe we stop reacting out of a place of fear and anger and worry and anxiety because all that does is spreads to other people and that's not fair. It's not fair for me to take those fears and worries and put them on other people. When I respond in that way, that's what I'm doing. I'm saying my life is out of control so yours should be too. It's about faith. It's about trust. It's about a promise of eternity. The, the, the rope. Do I need to pull the rope out? I, I, Steve asked last week, do we need to pull the rope out? If you're not familiar with the rope, the rope is over here. I'm not going to pull it out because it makes a mess. But there's a little spot on the rope that's got some tape on it. It's about this big. And then there's like, I don't know, 25, 30, 40 feet of just regular rope. And what we're trying to tell you is that life is short. And in the grand scheme of eternity, it's very, very, very short. And within all of those little moments in there, you're going to have fear. You're going to have moments where you don't feel like you're in control. You're going to have moments where the world throws stuff at you and says, this is what you need. This is your instant gratification. This feels good. This tastes good. This is what you need in your life. It's remembering that we are here for eternity. It's about a loving relationship with Jesus Christ that you can enjoy for all eternity. It's about living for that eternity so that when these things happen and when you feel out of control, you can say, it's okay. It's okay because my eternity is in control. God is in control. 
And he'll go before me. He'll fight every one of these battles for me. He'll remind me over again that he is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he will do. You join me in prayer this morning. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, God, that we can look at the, the moments in our life that we feel like we have absolutely no control and we can offer them to you. God, I ask that we find moments to strengthen ourselves, to train ourselves, to prepare ourselves, to dive into your word, to pray to you, to sit and listen for your voice. So that in these moments pop up that we have something to turn to, to know that you are in control, to know that you are good, to know that your grace is real, that we can put our faith in you and we can cast our worry aside. Faith over control. God, we pray for these this morning. We pray for these moments like this so we can sit and reflect on our own life. And Father, if there's somebody in this room right now who's saying, this is me, God, let they find the strength this morning, find the strength this morning to look at you a little bit different today, to open up their hearts, to be able to look at you and say, God, I can't do this without you. I know that you are in control and I am not. Teach me. Teach me to be battle ready. And through community, may we surround ourselves with people who are battle-tested. Battle-tested to be able to push us towards the preparation that we need for everything that this world can throw at us. We pray all these things this morning in your name. Amen.